0: Thank you for joining us on Breakfast of Champions, an opportunity for you to get a seat at the table. Today we hear from Rachel DiAlto, a relationship expert, TV personality, author, and speaker. Make sure you're downloading, subscribing, and sharing out the Breakfast of Champion podcast so that you don't miss your opportunity to get a seat at the table. Glenn Lundy believes that if you can change the way people start their day, it'll make a massive impact in their life. So let's pull up a seat, and let's join in on Breakfast with Champions.
1: With that being said, I'm going to pass it off to the beautiful Rachel D'Alto. Thank you, Kelsey. Uh, That was so awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, Wow. Oh, my gosh. This is my first official segment with Breakfast with Champions. And I got to tell you, my heart rate is a little bit up. I already told everybody in uh, our group text that if anything bad happens, I'm just going to blame it on the app glitching. And just, you know, deflect any sort of blame because I talk about relationships and deflecting blame is absolutely a part of this. Just kidding. Uh, If you don't know me, I am Rachel D'Alto and I have to also say I haven't done my own room in forever. And I know there are people on this stage that will call me out on that. And it's not for lack of desire it's been for a lack of time because i've been spending so much of my my effort and focus on some other projects including my book coming out in the fall which is on relatability and relationship building that is what i do i believe that relationships are really the umbrella of everything everything falls underneath relationships and i loved that in the last segment there's a lot of discussion about the fact is this is a relationship building app. What we're doing on this app is relationship building. And what we do in every area of our life in terms of building more success is through relationship building. And it's interesting because I did not get my start talking about professional relationships. My book is, is really kind of more spanning the gamut of relationships in terms of professional, personal, and romantic. But I got my start talking about romantic relationships i was a lawyer who started a dating company about 10 years ago it was pre-app uh pre-everything i think match had been in existence for a little while and i decided that i came up with this idea with my partner and we brought it to market and so we ended up raising almost two million dollars launched it the business actually failed but it led me to where I am today, which we can get into a little bit of that later, Uh, but just really starting with that idea of romantic relationships. And I've been doing this for the last 10 years. And what I've learned over time is that relationships consistently thrive on the same building blocks. And the building blocks are based on who we are as humans and what we are missing. And how we connect is how we fill in those holes. And I kind of want to tell you a story because I'm a big story fan. And this is one, I, I actually do talk about it in my book, but, and I see Barbara here because Barbara's like, I didn't know anything about you because you don't share a whole lot on clubhouse stages. Now I'm like, oh shit, girl. Now I got, I got a whole hour now. This, this could be bad.
0: Let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> so
1: I was a very chubby overweight girl who thought she knew everything growing up And so by fourth grade, I was in a program separated from the rest of my classmates, and I didn't even know how to utilize that in a good way or embrace my skills in a way that still allowed me to make friends, because I ended up having no friends. I remember sitting on the playground by myself and seeing groups of friends in one section and groups of friends in the other section, and I'm by myself, plopping the heads off of dandelions. By fifth grade, I was eating lunch with my teacher. And by the sixth grade, something amazing happened. There was a transfer student and she didn't know how weird I was and I didn't know how weird she was. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is a potential friend. Like I will do anything in my power to claim her as my own, like caveman, throw her over the shoulder, like you are mine. And so I did that. And in the first week she invites me for a sleepover and for the ladies in the room, as a 12-year-old girl who's had no friends for the last years, I mean, it had probably been about three years at that point since I had a friend, it was epic. It was absolutely so important to me as a human to be invited to this. And so I get my caboodle, I'm gonna date myself. I get my caboodle, I got some blue eyeshadow on my caboodle and I show up on her doorstep promptly at five o'clock because I will always be on time. And she opens the door and she's holding this very large, very hairy cat. And I only say very hairy because not all cats are hairy. This cat was extremely hairy. And my stomach absolutely drops. I am not only a little bit allergic to cats, I am a lot allergic to cats. I'm not even talking like watery eyes allergic. I'm not talking sniffly nose allergic. I'm talking can't breathe allergic. To cast. and so I have this moment with myself where I say, "Oh my gosh, you know, you you got to get through this. Like, this is the only friend you've had in years. You can't let biology get in the way of that, right?" So I took a moment, I took a deep breath, and I said, "I can do this. I can totally defeat biology. I'm going in." And so I go in, and we're in her room, and Warren's cherry pie is playing on the background. It's weird how you remember very specific things again, aging myself and all the blue eyeshadows ready to go. And she goes to me, she's like, it's really important that you bond with my cat, which I thought was a little odd, but I was, I was running with it. I was like, okay, we had, I now have two friends. I have this cat that's going to kill me and I have her. And so a cat does what any animal does. And I'm sure many of us have experienced this. Anytime that you're either allergic to something or just not interested in a pet, that all they wanna do is get as close to you as possible. And so the cat did what, what the cat does. It crawls up on my lap. And for a minute I was like, okay, I'm okay. I'm still breathing. I've got this. Again, defeating biology to save this friendship. And then the cat decided to take our relationship to the next level. And Blueberry decided to lick my face. So I don't know about you, but I mean, I can handle a lot of of cat hair, but once you get saliva involved, it is game over. And within five minutes, I looked like Swamp Thing's child. I was filled with hives, I couldn't breathe. I had to get whisked away by my parents within another five minutes to go home for a heavy dose of Benadryl and a hot shower. And that was the end of that friendship. So why do I share this story? And why do I still remember everything, every single element of that so clearly? It's because I was willing to risk anything to have a friendship, to have a relationship, to be in relation to someone else. And the fact is, is that we all are wired for that. We're all wired for connection. And something I talk about so often is the fact that we are more disconnected than ever. And what I wanna do throughout my time here on Breakfast with Champions, not just today, but in the future, is talk about all the ways that we can become more connected to each other, whether it's in business, whether it's personal, whether it's uh, relationships and, and romance. You know, We're gonna get into all of that because if we're talking about wealth and health, I don't think you can have either one of them without having good relationships with others and a good relationship with yourself. So it turns out there's a lot of content there, which works for me. Uh, it's also very interesting because I'm not used to talking for an hour at length on here. I just left a TV segment in New York where I talked for a whole five minutes and I drove four and a half hours round trip for it. So this is really fun because I get to dive deep into this and get to dive deep into to what I'm super passionate about because again, it goes back to that umbrella of relationships and I've been studying relationships for the last 10 years. I've studied them in a legal context. I was a litigator for a period of time. I was a really good mediator, if I'm gonna humble brag there, and I think that I take a lot of that with me in terms of how I'm able to perceive people and how I'm able to to read people and read relationships. And then I've been working with people for the last 10 years as a coach, as a hypnotherapist, And now through my books and my speaking. And what I found is that there is a through line. There's one through line that sticks out to me more than anything. And it's something that I'd really love to dive into today. And I posted about this recently on Instagram, actually, this morning, as I was getting nauseous on the car ride home. Can't do cars apparently anymore. Really, I keep on aging myself. But so I was talking about this confidence-shaped hole because at the end of the day, everybody that I've ever worked with, anybody that I've ever had a conversation with, the challenge is always worthiness. The challenge of connecting to someone is always, am I enough? The challenge of, am I willing to put myself out there and risk whatever is left of my self-esteem? And we end up with these confidence-shaped holes that prevent our relationships. That prevent our relationships, not only with ourselves, but with everyone around us. And I talk about this because I experienced that. Part of the reason that I share my background of going through bullying and, <laughs> and risking my life, I, I mean, kind of, I could have died if you let me go long enough and Cat like sat on me again. But I could have put myself in a position where I wasn't willing to risk that. Or I was willing to stand up for myself. I was willing to put myself in a position where I embraced who I was. And I said, oh no, you know this doesn't work for me. I pretended to be somebody I'm not so that I could sustain a friendship because I had that confidence-shaped hole. And I see the confidence-shaped hole getting in the way of every type of relationship out there. I've seen it in the professional workspace where people who have that hole in them aren't putting themselves in a position to get promoted, aren't taking the risks that they could actually embrace and succeed. They're not putting themselves in a, in a place where they might risk rejection or they might have to embrace some fears. They're doing that and they're, they're putting themselves and they're keeping themselves small because of that confidence shaped hole. I see it in personal relationship friendships. I talk a lot about this. So I, I, Became a little bit obsessed with TikTok. Since I started Clubhouse, I was convinced by several people on here to get on TikTok, and it's been awesome. And I love that I'm following the social media show because I've been jumping in there for for the last couple months, and it's been so amazing. But it also breaks my heart because every time I post something about friendship, all of a sudden I'm bombarded with messages from people talking about the unhealthy friendships that they have talking about the unhealthy situations that they're in with their friends. Did you know that one in four people have zero friends? Zero. And I know I'm shocked by that as an adult, but I experienced that as a child. So I can't be that shocked because there are people out there that are alone. And so when they meet somebody that gives them any sort of attention, all of a sudden they're holding on to that for dear life because they need something of a life raft. And so I talked the other day, I, I did a TikTok about signs that, that this is a friendship you need to remove yourself from. And all I got was messages, well, if I let go of that one, where am I left? Who am I left with? And that's heartbreaking to me. Because if we don't have that confidence-shaped hole filled, then we're gonna be in a place where we're accepting less than we deserve in our friendships as well. And don't even get me started on romantic relationships. That's a whole other, that is gonna be a full segment. That could be a month long of what we could talk about in terms of how we feel about ourselves affects how we are in those romantic relationships. How we show up affects what we accept. I always tell people that you accept the love that you think you deserve. And if you have that confidence shaped hole in you, then all of a sudden you're accepting a lot less because there's a missing element. So what I wanna talk about today is how do we overcome those elements? How do we overcome those challenges with our confidence? How do we get into a place where all of a sudden, you know what, we know it exists. We know that it's there and we're working through it, but we're making choices and we're taking actions that allow us to put ourselves in a better position moving forward. Whether we're talking about professional, personal, romantic relationships. And I call this the DFF, (laughs) I love an acronym. So when I wrote my book on relatability, I found that there was these three core components of relatability and their connect, communicate, inspire. And I'm gonna talk about that a lot over the next uh, coming weeks and months about relatability if Sarah ever lets me back. Uh, But I think that, you know, it's really cool when you can put something together and create a cool acronym. You know, you hear all these speakers and they talk about, you know, lead or spark or star and they're able to fit these things in or Donna, Donna's got star. So that's really cool. But I have Kakai and that's where I'm at. But I also have DFF, which I think is way cooler. But DFF is really the formula for figuring out how do I fill this confidence shaped hole. And it starts with really figuring out why it exists. It's figuring out how it existed. It's defining it. And I did a podcast the other day and I was talking about people, they they were asking me a lot of questions about how do you, how do you recognize certain things in yourself? How do you, how did you evolve as a human? And the word awareness just kept coming up and up and up. And I recognize that that is just such a core element. Maybe I never defined it as that before as such an, a pivotal part of really changing your life and changing your perception and changing your relationships. But your awareness is everything. And so whether that confidence is lacking Because of an environment that you were in, because of an experience that you had, or because of something else. It's so important to shine a light on it. As Jay-Z says, you cannot heal what you don't reveal. And if we don't start looking at it, then we're not going to be able to heal it. If we don't start paying attention to what caused this or even think about it. So many times we end up on autopilot because it's a lot easier. My fiance is, he he is not a part of the Woe Club. He is, I I call him a muggle because I consider myself to be a little woo at times. I hide it. I think I'm more of a broccoli infused cupcake, but I got some woo in me. And he is a total muggle for all those Harry Potter fans out there. And he kept saying when I was writing my book and I'm talking to him and I'm giving him chapters to read and saying, you know, babe, what do you think about this? And like, would you do this exercise or how do you think this would land? He's like, you know what? I'm going to write my own book. He's like, I'm going to write a book called Push It Down. (laughs) I said, what? He goes, I'm going to write a book called Push It Down. You just keep pushing it down. All those feelings, all emotions. And obviously he's kidding because I couldn't handle being with somebody who pushed it down all the time and didn't express their emotions. But The truth is, is that so many people push it down. They just push it down and don't really take a look at what is impacting them. What experiences they've gone through. I am here to say that whether you want to express it yourself, doing some self reflection, writing, taking a moment to just think, or whether you want to talk to someone about it, whether it's a friend, a therapist, a coach, someone that you trust. We have to pay attention to what made us us. And if we don't define, if we don't look at it from a perspective of what did I go through that caused this confidence-shaped hole? And how can I look at it? Because sometimes just starting to look at things allows you to start to shine a light and heal it. And I am gonna say for anybody who has been through something so significant, I've worked with people with trauma And there are some horrendous things that happen in this world. Don't be afraid to get help because your relationships, not only with yourself, but with everybody around you is counting on it. So really defining that is just such an important aspect. The second F is fake it till you make it. So there's a lot of people that disagree with fake it till you make it. And honestly, I get it because I think for some people is difficult for them to recognize the difference between being false and borrowing for a minute. And I'm not saying you don't go from I love myself when you're at I hate myself. You don't step into, you know, a level 10 of confidence when you're at a 1. And what I did with several of my clients is I said to them, why don't you take a look around you? And I want you to take a look at the people around you that you find to be the most confident. Just observe them, because I think that we are absolutely born with two ears and two eyes to pay more attention than to speak. And I think that if we spent more time observing, we would recognize things and become more self-aware and aware of what's around us. And so I said, start observing the people in your life that you think are confident. And one of my clients that I talk about in the book, he was a high powered executive and he always came in with this bravado, but the bravado was fake because it typically is. And he had faked it till he made it because he followed the wrong path. He followed the path of somebody who he thought was successful and he thought was impactful, but they were a jerk and they were unkind and they demanded respect. And this is not Sopranos real life. We earn respect. And so he was having all of these troubles with his team because he was coming in there with this this chest pounding methodology and it wasn't connecting because it wasn't real. And frankly, it just doesn't resonate. And so I told him, I said, hey, listen, why don't you take the week off of being, being macho and just observe who's around you that you think has a confidence that you would want to emulate. And so he started making lists of the people around him and the qualities that they showed, the qualities that they were able to put out there, the qualities that he felt, the feelings that he felt by feeling their emotions and their confidence. And so I said to him, I said, why don't you start to take that on. Pick two of those traits. And one of the traits that he picked was generosity. And it wasn't monetary generosity. It was generosity of time and spirit and energy. He said, this one person that I I started watching was just always willing to step in and had this quiet confidence to them where they, they knew a lot and they shared a lot and they never asked for anything in return. And I think all of us can agree that when you see people coming from a place of service, especially when you know they have a large plate to serve from, it is so impactful on an energetic level, but also just on a relationship building level. And you see how much confidence they have. You see how much they they are serving the universe, they're serving their surroundings and they're doing it because they are confident in who they are and they're not boastful about it. So I said, why don't you start trying to do a little bit more of that? Why don't you try to incorporate more generosity into your team meetings? Offer to help more. Offer to be of service more, come from a different place. And we started adding in these different elements of existing, these different elements of confidence that he was seeing with people. And all of a sudden, he started to shift into it. Something I talk a lot about is how malleable our brains are. Our brains are giant buckets of Play-Doh. They will completely adjust. In majority of settings, and I always have caveats. That's the lawyer in me. I always think in caveats. I was like, except for, you know, obviously there are certain types of disorders that do prevent this from being a completely universal statement. But for the majority of us, we are able to have our brains adapt. And the challenge is, is that they adapt based on our surroundings and they adapt based on the people that we surround ourselves with. I did a reel on this the other day that got a lot of messages back where they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this. So one of my favorite studies is actually related to, I'm sure plenty of people have heard this quote, and it was actually by a motivational speaker, which is ironic, uh, but it was a quote that said, you're a combination of the five people that you surround yourself with. Now, I I do motivational speaking, (laughs) but I would not always count on everything that a motivational speaker says as being completely factual, and I'm a data geek. So of course i went and i studied it and i dove into the research and i saw that there's actually a study that supports this there is a study that showed that when two people were spending a significant amount of time together through mris their brain waves became nearly identical absolutely terrifying and exciting right because when you start to think about it who are you spending time with who are you emulating Who are you accidentally emulating? Who are you allowing into your brainwave? And you can see this happening. I'm sure everybody has had an experience where they've hung out with a friend, or they've hung out with a a business associate, or they've gone on a date, or they have started a relationship. And all of a sudden, you start to say similar things, right? I can't tell you all the things that I say that, that my fiance, Kevin, he has these quips that I'm like, you know, he says on the hop when he wants people to leave like our kids to, to get in the car and it's kind of annoying. And now I find myself saying it and it's just because I'm absorbing it. And there, I guess there's far worse things to, to take into my repertoire, but we're going to work on that one and find my own. But you also start to absorb the energy of them. I was in a toxic marriage. There was a lot of hostility and there was anger and there was frustration. And I hope that you don't hear that in my voice now because I have been out of that for 10 years. And I remember talking to people that I saw right after I left who knew me when I was married. And they were like, oh my gosh, you're, you're a different person you act different, you, you feel different, like there's a different energy to you. And it's because we absorb that. We can't not be affected by the people that we spend time with. We can't not be affected by the energy of those that you allow into your space. So I think it's just so important to recognize that you have a choice here in terms of filling that confidence-shaped hole, to fill it with people that fill you up, to fill it with people that you can emulate and allow to have an impact on you. Think about a time where you leveled up in terms of your relationships, whether it's your professional, your personal, your romantic. One of my favorite things is that I never want to be the smartest person in the room. I love to feel dumb and I feel leveled up when I'm around people who are just highly intelligent and and just so heads above me because all of a sudden I feel like they're pulling me up, but it's the same thing with our energy and it's the same thing with confidence. So we have to be able to recognize who do I want to emulate not only consciously but subconsciously through our space and our time and our choices and how we choose to spend our time and how we choose to embrace our environments. The last of the DFF is to focus on the positive. So obviously I am not the first person on Clubhouse this hour to talk about positivity. It is absolutely something that talked about probably as often as authenticity. But for me, I like to think of it in terms of brain hacking. I am a big fan of unconscious and conscious collaboration. So in one sense, I, I really do like to focus on what are our conscious thoughts. I'm going to get into a couple tools that I can give you for that, but also our subconscious thoughts. As I mentioned before, I am a hypnotherapist. I don't I don't coach or practice individually anymore um, at all, but I do still offer um, some tracks. And if anybody wants a free confidence hypnosis, you can just DM me. No big deal. I'm not, I don't sell anything. <laughs> I have, well, I do have a book to sell. I keep forgetting that. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I am a big fan of utilizing our subconscious. So utilizing things like hypnosis. Hypnosis is meditation with a goal attached to it. And if it it feels a little weird, you think I'm gonna turn you into a duck from afar, unless you're in New Jersey, then I could do it close by. But hypnosis is just meditation. And so utilizing things like meditation to start to amplify the positivity in you. Because the more that you amplify that positivity, the more that you actually start to create it, the more that it does exist. But I think also it's impossible to just do things subconsciously. We have to put in the effort. Kind of goes back to Tamali's to discussion today on mindset and action. Mindset is awesome. Having the thoughts are awesome. Having the intention is essential. But you have to take action. And the same thing goes if you are going to start focusing on the positive. What I talk about often is the way that our brain works if you are a typically negative person, and I don't, I don't think a lot of people really identify with that. Some people do. Some people are very self-aware of like, no, I have a ton of negative thoughts, whether it's about my body, my intelligence, my money, you know, it's, it's always those top three things that get in our way. And they recognize that, but maybe they don't recognize that there's a lot of negative thoughts throughout the day. One of the things that I think would be super helpful is really starting to jot that down. I used to have people, and actually I, I, I still do, and it's part of the book, is creating this negativity journal. Because the more that you become consciously aware of your negative thoughts, the more that you recognize how many you have and how you can change them. So you start to create a journal of This is the thought that I had. And whether it's in your notes section of your phone or it's actually written down on paper, which is my preferred method, because, again, studies show that it it tends to resonate better psychologically. But start to write down what those thoughts are. Start to track them throughout the day. Like, you know enough. Once you become self-aware, it's easy to start to pay attention to them. I always give the analogy i don't know if anybody in give me a mic flash if you shop at marshall's or tj maxx i don't know if i have a my friends here yeah so um the place gives me anxiety i'm not gonna lie because if i don't know what i'm going in for all of a sudden i buy like a couch some shampoo a t-shirt and then like some sneakers for my kids it can be a lot and there's just stuff everywhere right like they don't have it's not organized into you know there's general sections but it's all over the place However, if you walk into a Marshalls or a TJ Maxx and you're like, I need a blue shirt, right? I just need a blue shirt. That's all new. I'm focusing on getting a blue shirt. What happens? All of a sudden, all you see are all these blue shirts everywhere because you know what you're looking for. So even just setting the intention of I'm now going to focus on what are my thoughts How often do we even ask ourselves that? Like, what what am I thinking? I mean, I'm going to have you guys feel like you have multiple personalities by the time I'm done with this, but it's very effective. The more that we start to analyze it, the more that we start to think about it, the more we recognize that there is even the most positive people have some really repetitive thinking and it's negative. And there's a lot of statistics on that. And I've quoted some of them in my book about negative thoughts and uh, the repetitiveness of them. And You know, how many thoughts a day we have, and the the numbers are all over the place. I'm still not sure how you exactly track that, but that's what scientists do. But once you have them, you can start to take action to shift them, because you can stop yourself in that track. Once you have that thought, and for me, if I'm being real, if I'm being vulnerable, which is what I preach, it's always been appearance, which is ironic that I chose a career in television. It's always been appearance. So for me, what I see is just a constant, repetitive nature against my appearance. So for me, I have to take action on that. I have to make an effort to stop it. Literally sometimes, mostly silently, especially in public, I'll say something like, Rachel, stop. Stop. What are you saying? Like, stop it. And then I'm going to give myself a spin on it because I love to play PR. You're going to spin it and you're going to create something that's more positive. And sometimes it can't be just like I was saying before, you can't go from, I hate myself to I love myself. I talk about baby steps all the time because I think it's more realistic. You can't build a house by plopping it down on a piece of property. You start with a foundation, right? So it's the same thing when it comes to starting to rethink your thoughts to remap them to positive places. So I start to say like, I accept myself. Acceptance is a far cry from dislike and disdain. It's still not love, but it's acceptance. And so when we start to do that in all of our different areas that we have these thoughts, all of a sudden we can start to shift. We shift subconsciously using tools like meditation, hypnosis, even just breathing and focusing on thinking about all of the positive things in your life. But then we start to really get into the work here and start to write down, what is the spin? Write it down. You just wrote down the negative one. You typed it in your phone or you wrote it down in a journal. Write down the positive spin on it. Write down what is your goal? and then try to get there baby step by baby step. And what happens over time, and I've seen this and I've been studying this for the last five years working with people directly on this is the negative thoughts decrease. I'm not saying they're gonna go away forever. I've been doing this work for a long time and I will continue to do the work, but they get better. That is our goal here. I think that's our goal with any sort of relationship. And I didn't realize how much today is evolving into just this relationship with yourself. We are always going to be working on our relationship with ourselves. We're always going to be finding new things to implement because every next level of your life requires a next version of you. So let's start with where you're at and then step up that ladder but focusing on the positive is going to get you there. So we're going to define it. We're going to shine that light on it. We're going to fake it until you make it, until you are it, choosing who you spend time with, choosing who you allow into your head space, into your energetic space, choosing to emulate those and take on some of those attributes that you find to be that beautiful, quiet confidence that resonates with people. And then you're gonna really try to focus on the positive because your brain is meant to be remapped. It is meant for that. I want you to imagine right now, the brain of a negatively wired person is paved roads in every direction towards negative thinking. So you have a, you have a moment, Something happens in your life and one of the roads that your brain chooses is one that is fully paved and it's gonna say something negative to reinforce that. And the reason they're paved is because you have constantly been paving those roads. Your brain is gonna find the easiest route. But the concept of neuroplasticity, because I think it's freaking awesome, is that you're able to change that. And maybe in the beginning, your roads are going to be a little bit bumpy. They're not going to be natural. It's not gonna naturally bring you down this road of positivity, but the more that you do think it, the more that you consciously start to focus on the positive, the more that you are going to start to pave those roads. So just embrace the fact that we are Play-Doh. I do wanna take a minute to just dive into, and then I'm going to open this up um, for commentary and questions. I've never talked so much in a row on a clubhouse stage, Uh, but I want to talk about how, once you get that confidence-shaped hole and once you address it, how do you protect it? Because I don't know about you, but everywhere you go, there is a possibility of being brought back down. Every time you open up an app, there's a possibility of having FOMO or comparison syndrome. I know on here, I remember, my gosh, when I first started on here, it was mid-December and I was still kind of getting the hang of it. And then all of a sudden, January imploded. And I was like, oh my God, there's these crazy, like super successful people. And I just started comparing myself. And I was like, you have done nothing, Rachel, you have done nothing. You've been slacking. Like, what is happening? I found myself getting into a little bit of comparison syndrome. And I see this all the time on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, when we are comparing ourselves, when we're allowing social media, social audio, wherever you are seeing people to compare yourself with, you're allowing them to allow your self-esteem to deplete, And I'm not gonna blame it on social media because I've actually studied that. I I did a lot of research uh, in my master's program on the impact of social media and our psychology. And what I found repeatedly was it wasn't the use of social media that impacted our self-esteem. It was how we used it. It was how we allowed it to impact us. It wasn't the hours spent Which is good news for all of my friends here that are on clubhouse especially breakfast with champions for 15 hours a day now it's how we allow it to affect us it's am i basing my self-esteem on likes it's how do i feel when i don't get enough views it's how do i feel when someone responds negatively to something that i say and what i found in a research study that was recently published is that purpose is, sorry, I put on do not disturb and it does not work. (laughs) Purpose is insulation. And what they found was that people with purpose were less impacted by what they saw online. People with an identity attached to something greater than themselves. Something that they are choosing to go after, an intention, a motivation, are insulated from that difficulty. And I just thought that was the coolest thing because it's part of Kakai. So if you weren't here in the beginning, you're like, why is she shouting Kakai like a crow? Uh, So Kakai is connect, communicate, inspire, is what I find to be the cornerstone of relatability. And we will dive into all of this throughout the weeks to come. But the I in Kakai is inspiration. And I call it your then what. It's what allows you to stay focused in a world that that feels unfocused, that feels so focused on the vanity metrics that you're not focused on the service. And I didn't always have that. I didn't always have the purpose. I didn't always have my then what. But I knew when I didn't. And for anybody out there that's like, I don't, I don't know what my why is, we call it the why, we call it the because, we call it the then what, the purpose. I would take a minute to reflect on what's not sitting right because you want to insulate yourself. You want to keep that confidence at a high. And it brings me back. So when I was in law school, I, and I talk about this and I I actually spoke about this at breakfast with champions in New York. I ended up working at this law firm during law school that was really intense. I'm talking like next level, white glove intense. I'm pretty much just signing my life away to be behind a desk in in a small office without windows until you get partner. And then you just don't see your family, but you got mahogany. And so I'm doing this job and I'm in school and I I only had a year and a half left. And I remember talking to my family and I said, I'm dropping out. Like I'm, I'm done, this is awful. If this is what I'm spending all of my money in student loans that I'm still paying off, all of my time in leaving my child at home and then signing up to do this for the rest of my life, I'm miserable, this does not work for me. And I felt that in my soul. And then I was able to reflect on that And I ended up turning down the job and I I had some really great advice from somebody, a mentor of mine that said, well, why don't you just try working somewhere else? And I was like, wow, that's, that's brilliant. I never thought of that, but I did. And I ended up working for a judge and I clerked for a year and it was a very different experience. And I still left law, but I left it with love. And it did create my through line. It did create my purpose. And it led me to where I am now. And it led me to recognize people and to work with people and to observe people in a way that I still do now. But I knew when it wasn't right. And I think a lot of us out here know when it's not right. And then we don't know what to do about it. So I implore anyone who is really struggling to find their place or to find their purpose to look around them in the environment that they are. And again, we don't have to make these crazy big tweaks. We don't have to jump into the deep end, but we do have to start to make changes and identify what are my options here and what do I want? What I recognize is that I wanted to work with people. I didn't want to be stuck in an office. I didn't want to be stuck behind a computer. I didn't want people yelling at me all day. I mean, I got my kids for that. I wanted to make a difference. So going into the courthouse was way more impactful to me. And then doing what I do now, the trajectory that I've been on, and that is for another date and time, but I found that through line. I found that purpose and know that your purpose can change and you can choose it. If it feels too existential to have that conversation with yourself, I got you talking to yourself a lot today. If it feels too much, then choosing something. What is my intention for today? What is my intention for this week? What is my intention for this month? What is my purpose? Because we have to insulate ourselves. We have to be able to insulate ourselves from all the things in this world that will try to pull us down. The negativity is out there and we didn't do all that freaking work on our confidence shaped holes to build those relationships just to let someone pull it away from us. So it's so important to find that purpose, to make that a part. Because at the end of the day too, it really is the cornerstone of what makes you relatable. When when someone shows up on this app, you can feel when they know what they are and who they are and why they're here. Even if it's just in that room. When someone shows up in that room and they are speaking from their heart and not their head, you feel it, it hits differently. And that's so beyond relatable to me. That doesn't make me like you. That makes me love you. That doesn't make me just want to connect with you. That makes me want to be a rabid fan of yours. So finding your purpose and sharing it wherever you're able to share it is not only going to insulate you from the BS that exists out there and the people that are there to bring you down, but it's also going to connect you to everyone around you. So I just want to encourage just a lot <laughs> a lot of introspection because all of this comes back to relationships. All of this comes back to relationships. We can't start to build our house until the foundation is right. We can't start to build relationships and to take them all to that next level and to really, really connect with people until we look within, because there's always going to be something holding us back. So I'd like to just close and open it up to everybody and just encouraging everyone to take that reflection. I think I should reset. I feel like I haven't I haven't said anything in a while about where we are and why you're here, Um, but I appreciate every single one of you for being here and listening, and uh, I just, I love everybody. I love you all, and I hope that you shine your light brightly and with confidence, and with that, I'm just going to remind everyone that you are in Breakfast with Champions, the Millionaire Breakfast Club, and there are now 15 hours of programming each weekday from 5 a.m. to 8 p.m., and 6 a.m. to noon on Sunday as long as as well as Club 111 on Sunday and so thank you for being here invite some friends in the room because my friend Raylan is coming up next uh, and invite them to join the club because there's so much in here and there's so much purpose and passion and excitement that I would hate for you to miss any of that so with that being said I would love to open this up to anyone with commentary uh, if you have anything to say to share to add
2: Rachel, this like is Silk.
3: I just want you to know you did an awesome job. I loved it. I'm glad that I popped in, in time to hear you. You're amazing. Mwah. Thank you, Silk. Rachel, this is Sarah. Congratulations on your first segment. Can everyone have mic? mic? Rachel! Yeah, Congratulations. Congratulations, Rachel. Rachel. Well, done. Congratulations. well done. You killed it. Dropping jewels.
0: So one thing I wanted to um, comment on, actually, Rachel, and obviously phenomenal job on when I looked at the schedule and I saw, holy smokes, Rachel, I had to follow Rachel. I was like, all right, well, (laughs) let's just see how this goes. But one of the things that you mentioned, I even said in our our, our back channel was you mentioned that study uh, of the people that we surround ourselves with. And that really stuck with me because then, too, there was I don't know if it was the same study or, or probably a different one where they also said that our memories go with the people we're around as well. And one of the things I said, we we often hear people say when unfortunately our significant others maybe pass, we'll say a piece of me died. And that's true to some degree. We we as we grow with other people, our memories, our, our thought process, they all intertwine. And when you said that, it made me realize once again just the importance of that those relationships. And I just wanted to say too, September 7th cannot come fast enough. I cannot wait to get your book in the mail. I look every single day and I have a little countdown coming up. So I, I seriously cannot wait to, to dive into that book. I cannot wait for it.
1: You're my favorite Raylan. And uh, I just have to say one, everyone needs to stick around for Raylan because he is just next level. Uh, but finding your tribe is so important. And I need to go find that study because I like to read everything. Uh, but it's just it's absolutely essential. I have some beautiful people on this stage that I talk to every day uh, Sarah, Molly, Donna just popped off Raylan and Jen uh, Donna's back and they are my lights you know they are the people that do lift me up and they make me a little weepy sometimes too because I just find it to be so impactful who they are and what they say and and how they love. And so if that is not your experience and I just want people to recognize that that you are worthy of all of that and that you are worthy of, of those amazing relationships. Who else wants to chime in? Because I've talked a lot.
3: Rachel, this is Jen. That was uh, incredible. And the ta- one of the big takeaways for me that really landed was the part when you said about people who talk from their heart versus talking from their head and how that brings in the connection and the love and and all of that. And so I just wanted to highlight that piece because that really hit me. And um, so thank you for bringing that to service because I think, you know, as someone who is like really into education and learning and all that, I could speak from my head a lot and I have to remember to be me and to speak from my heart. So thank you. Thank you, Jen. And,
1: you know, it's funny because I, I do want to talk about conflict at some point because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a lawyer who talks about relationships. It kind of seems logical. But what I what I talk to people is when you speak from your heart, those natural defenses, those fight defenses start to go away. And obviously, listen, in certain circumstances, you want to protect yourself and, and come from the head. But when you're when you're speaking from the heart, when you're connecting from the heart, it hits differently differently. Like you feel it, you feel it in yourself, you feel it in other people. And if you can if you can start to approach conflict or ex- approach difficult situations with people that you love or people that you even like from a heart-centered space, all of a sudden we are making a far greater impact. Who else wants to chime in?
3: Hey, Rachel, this is Quanee Burks. What's up everybody? Um, hey, Quanee. How you doing? so uh first of all thank you like uh you held the a, room for sure it's like a, you could hear a pin drop but that's because you was you was just dropping it like wisdom bombs left and right um what i wanted to point out is that the fact that you were willing to die to essentially have a friend now as you're childlike self you, you knew that you know you being having some type of reaction w- was imminent but you didn't know the dangers of it like we would diagnose it as adults uh, when we're when we're trying to keep our kids away from danger but you knew that it was some type of danger in allowing this cat you you to be around this cat and it could have been just as simple as like hey I'm an allergic to cats so you know, I know you love cats, but can you just keep it away from when I come over? But that's not what what you were pointing out to in the story. You were literally willing to die to get have a friend, and I think, like the, the Bible says, uh, out of the mouth of babes, you took an analogy that happened to you as a child, and you were making a point of about. I know you were making a point about the loneliness and that's how much you wanted a friend and clubhouse has provided that for us like hearted, like-minded people. And, um, but I looked at it as like, that's the same mentality you need to have in your relationships, your entrepreneurial journey. That's the same mentality you need to have. Like, look, this might be bad the first time, or I might not survive, or I might be seriously, or just somewhat hurt but this is a pain that i need to go through so i can learn from it or might come out on the other end with a a different angle to take this on but it's just it's just fascinating how you were willing to go through that just for a friend but we we need to be willing to go through that as adults to find that friend or, or find that entrepreneurial success that we haven't achieved so thank you for sharing that and i appreciate you Thank you, Kwani. Yeah. And, and
1: for the record, I don't dislike cats. My body does uh, just for anybody out there. Cause I know I, 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 we have some passionate cat lovers in the world. Um, I would just say it's, it's so important to also just show up authentically, which is something that, you know, that's a whole other hour or month of talking of just owning who you are You know, and and you can make that, you can make those choices that do stretch you and put you into uncomfortable position, but you can own who you are while you do it. And that makes you relatable in my opinion. So thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. Anyone else want to pop in? We have three minutes left. Rev Max.
2: Yes, thank you, Rachel. Um, And and congratulations on your first segment. It was was very powerful. and uh, like Silk said, you're definitely dropping gems. And um, when you were talking about purpose, it, it definitely resonated with me um, in a special way. And in how um, also our purpose uh, changes, and maybe you have multiple purposes, um, because I've definitely witnessed this throughout my life um, through the different evolutions and, and trials and tribulations and overcoming obstacles and and uh, the the evolution and awareness as well um, about myself and, and about the world as well. Um, I remember I, I can still recall um, you know when I was 18 and. And my um, my purpose and my intentions and and the lifestyle I was living was um, very very different um, to to now at, the, at this point in my life. So um, it's it's very um, you know exciting like like you said be, being surrounded by like-minded, like-hearted people who are also evolving and have that intention to to not only better themselves in every way possible but also others. And, and that's um that's just a special place to be. And, and so so I always like to um, just say thank you. I'm I'm appreciative and, and thankful to be in this space and and um, would love to explore, um, you know, how I can bring value to anybody who hears my voice. So thank you very much and um, have a great one. I appreciate you.
1: I love that. Thank you, Rev Max. thank you. Uh, and yeah, you keep saying like-hearted. I love that like-hearted and, and it's so true about that purpose is it does evolve. And I think eventually you do get to a place and it takes, you know, a, a minute to get there where you do find that overall umbrella. And I reached my overall umbrella about eight years ago uh, and it was during a meditation where I just received a message that said, "My purpose is to be love." Period. And I remember thinking about it and saying, "Wait, what does that mean? Like, it feels a little obscure." But I ran with it, and I actually got it tattooed on my ribcage. And so I'm reminded every day that my my overall purpose in this world is to be love. So, thank you, uh, everybody, for being here and. Thank you for staying with me and I'm going to, uh, Sarah.
0: Thank you for joining us on breakfast with champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on clubhouse and listen from 5am to 11am Eastern time, Monday through Friday, Saturday, six to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with breakfast with champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.